spring, the glorious season of new life, is currently in full force all around us. I'm sure you've noticed the signs. For one thing, there are the allergies. It's as if every tree and bush and blade of grass has been painted with a technicolor pollen-leaded brush. And while it is beautiful to behold, I personally could do without the congestion. Where we live, out in the rural part of the county, there are other signs of spring as well. New life is covering all the pastures. They're filled with playful baby cows and fuzzy baby sheep. And at our house, our surfaces, every surface in our house it seems, has been prepared with the new makings of new life. Little peat pots are filled with teeny tiny squash, peppers, okra, and pole bean seedlings, all sprouting under my husband's watchful eye. But signs of spring are not just for country folk. In town, you can also find them. For the past few weekends, different groups of teenagers have flocked to UCA and Hendricks to pose in front of fountains and columns decked out in their prom finery, mothers snapping picture after picture to post to Facebook. Local restaurants have reopened their patios, and the downtown shops are displaying sundresses in their windows. Here at St. Peter's, we too are sprouting signs of spring. We have recently celebrated the new life through two weddings. Today we will celebrate a baptism. Next week we will celebrate another baptism and begin honoring our high school and college graduates. One simply cannot escape the signs of new life and fresh starts all around, including those signs in today's readings. This morning we heard several references to fresh starts and new life. In Acts, Peter received a vision which prompted him to pursue a new and fresh path on his ministry, taking the message of Christ outside the confines of his Jewish community out into the wild world of Gentiles. In Revelations, we hear of a new heaven and a new earth, of a time when there will be no more tears or suffering, and of one who will make all things new. And then in today's gospel, we saw Jesus preparing the disciples for a new way of operating in the world, a way centered solely, above all else, around loving and being loved. Like the season of spring, each of these passages bring with them a message of hope and new beginnings, a reminder that God is and always has been in the fresh starts and new life business. What a wonderful theme for a baptism Sunday. What a wonderful time to celebrate a new life and a new member of our family. The year before I was born, my mother, much like the Gentiles of Caesarea that Peter went to visit, had her own fresh start conversion experience, an experience that filled her with such a happy love for Jesus and a giddy amazement at discovering the gift of grace that her enthusiasm spilled over into every area of her life, including how she chose her baby names which is how I came to be named Jerusalem. At some point along the way, when I was old enough to read, I asked my mother why she chose my name specifically. There were, after all, many other perfectly suitable, less unique feminine Bible names to choose from. She answered by showing me the very same verses from Revelation that Nathan read to us this morning. Verses that I underlined with a bright yellow highlighter in my very first Bible, adding extra lines under the New Jerusalem part. Verses I would read time and time again over the course of my early childhood, taking in the images of new beginnings and a God who was happy to be in the midst of his creation and holding them close to my heart. 
A lot of time has passed since I underlined those special verses, and until recently I hadn't really thought of them much. I knew they were there, of course, and now again on a Sunday like today, I would see them and a brief wink of recognition would cross my mind. But until this week, it had been years since I read them with any great intention. I don't know about other preachers, but when I see scriptures from Revelation on the lectionary schedule, I can't help but cringe a little bit. (laughs) Images of beasts with seven heads and so forth. So you can imagine my relief when I realized that today's reading was one that I was actually familiar with personally. Reading over the text, preparing for today's sermon, I was able to go back to simpler days. Back to a time when I didn't fret over apocalyptic metaphors or feel the pressure to find prophetic meanings or historic significance hidden between the passages. Instead, I found myself reading the verses much like I did when I was six years old. I read them as a promise. A promise of what God's love looks like in action. As a little seminary student's daughter living in an apartment in a sketchy part of Memphis in the 80s, this is what I read and this is what I heard when I read Revelations 21, 1-6. God was always and would always be making all things new, including me. God's heart was to be with his people, in their neighborhood, in their homes, right smack in the middle of them. Like the person who sits down in the middle of a crowded dinner table so that they can see and hear everyone. God wants to be right in the middle of what we are doing. But God's greatest desire was to heal hurts, to wipe away tears, and to bring about new life and fresh starts. And it seemed to me, reading those verses, and from the Bible stories that my mother told me, and the songs we sang in my little Sunday school classes, and from the bedtime prayers that we prayed, that the very same love, that Jesus love that filled my mother up from head to toe with a bright, shiny light, was the same love of revelation. It was a love that wiped away tears, that came to sit with people in their sadness, that brought fresh starts and new beginnings to any and everyone, no matter who they were. And so as a child, I read those verses in Revelations as a promise, not only of what would be, but what of what already was. Just as spring is the season of new beginnings on earth, baptism marks a season of new beginning as well. Today, as we baptize Abraham, we will pour the water of new life over his sweet little head and bless him with oil and say prayers together, marking his new journey as a member of the church. But this act is not just a formality. It is not something just to check off the Christian life to-do list. Instead, baptism is a joyous new beginning for everyone present at it. It's a chance for us all to remember again what it means to love each other as Christ loves us. This morning, as part of Abraham's baptism, we will all renew our own baptismal covenants. And we will commit as the church to to be cat in Abraham's people, to be home for them. We will commit to wipe away tears and to celebrate new beginnings and to plant ourselves smack in the middle of their lives. You see, at each baptism, we are all starting fresh again, but we are starting together. And together, through the love of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to create a new heaven and a new earth for each other here and now. By again wiping away tears and celebrating new beginnings and being in the middle of each other's lives. This is the gift of community that Christ left his disciples in John 13 and that they have since passed on to us. It is the belief that ultimately we all belong to each other and that it is through this belonging, by our choosing to truly love one another, 
to live out the actions of love that we saw in Revelation 21, that we will find God in our midst, giving water to the thirsty, setting the lonely in families, and making all things new for each of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we are, again and again and again. Amen.